get into our final part of our six-week message series, Deep Waters. And uh, it's been great. Has everybody enjoyed these last four or five weeks of this message series? A little more than that. (laughs) It's been really great. It's been really great, um, just the things that I'm hearing from people. And, you know, the idea being to really press in and, and get to the deeper places with God that he has planned, that he wants you to walk in with him. And so I would say as we as we kind of wrap up the series today and we move forward, don't, don't let this be like you go back to the shallow water now after this, right? Like we've been in the deep water. We've been immersing ourselves in some of the deeper things of God. And my whole heart is to just kind of whet our appetite and give us a taste for, you know, the things that God is really drawing us and wooing us into with him. And I want this to be a way that we all live where it's like we are pressing in constantly to know our creator more and to understand more of the great parts of the relationship and this intimacy that he's called us to have with the Holy Spirit. So JJ, don't let me catch you with your water wings on, man. Don't get back in the shallow water after this, right? We're going to keep on moving forward. Uh, and it's going to be awesome. So open up your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 25. And while you're doing that, I just want to say, I'm hoping that we can get all of the six weeks of this, like on CD, so that people can get just like the full, well, parts one through six, right? All six CDs so that you can listen to the whole series. Because I think there's something when you put it all together and you listen to them in, in a row, you know, there's there's more to be hashed out of that. Who would actually get one of the series copy if we did that? A few people. Okay, so we're going to do that. We're going to make sure we get that done. Um, and this idea that we talked about last time, I'm going to pick up from there, where it's about living in, in the closest and most intimate way with the Holy Spirit that we, that we can possibly get to. Uh, on, a, on a regular basis, and how the Holy Spirit, He is our comforter, He is our guide, He's our empowerer, He is our advocate, He's our intercessor, He is our gift enabler. There's all these different kind of parts of His personality, and we are meant not to just know about them, but to really know them intimately, and to see those parts of who He is actually affecting and influencing our lives on a day-to-day basis to really know his power to know the comfort of him you know to experience these things not just to know about these things and as we do we're essentially living from that innermost part of who we are and we have to fight from the deepest place in us we talked a lot about how you can't approach a spiritual battle in your flesh or in the or in some sort of natural strength that you're just not really prepared or equipped for it. It's kind of a you know there's use there's things that just don't make any sense. They're useless, right? I mean decaf coffee. What is that all about? Seriously, like I don't I mean I wish we didn't even have it, but that somebody tells me that certain people like it around here. I, I just, I, my, I dread going over there and accidentally filling my cup from the decaf dispenser, right? You know, I mean, what is that all about? There's useless things. Katie, she buys this toilet paper, and I'm just going to, uh, I love my wife. She is so, I mean, she's well better at budgeting and, and just being frugal than I am. But she buys this toilet paper that's so thin 
that, I mean, you can like see through it when you hold it up. It's transparent. And it's, I don't understand what the point is. Why do you eat, why do they even make that? You know, it's like it tears when you tear it. It just disintegrates in your hand. And so the kids, they just get like half a roll whenever they do. And then the toilets are, I'm like, we got to stop. It's not worth the 30 cents, you know, a roll. There's just things that don't make sense that we, right, that we use, but they're not right for the application. Think on that one for a while. But um, everybody's going to be using the bathroom today. Be like, oh, yeah, I really got that message today. That's good. So, but we can't fight spiritual battles from a natural part of who we are. We've got to fight from the deeper place of who we are in our spirit, man. And uh, Jeremy sent me this text last week that, I was, it was awesome because I'm like, man, yes, that's exactly what we're talking about. And he's like, hey, this really, you know, reminded me of the message or whatever. And it was talking about how an eagle, you know, eagles swoop down and they, they kill snakes and they eat snakes. That's part of their prey. But when they do that, they don't fight and kill the snake on the ground. They swoop down and they grab the snake and then they take the battle to the air. And they, they, they kill it and they rip it apart while they're in the air because if they try to fight it on the ground, the serpent has an advantage. They're very witty, they can move around, they're very cunning on the ground, that's where they can strike from, but if you get it into the air in an elevated place, it's useless. The serpent can do nothing, he's a sitting duck, right? And so a lot of people, a lot of times in our lives, we're trying to fight the enemy from some sort of natural ground, some sort of natural position or place when really we need to dig in and we need to begin to fight from our spirit man, which is a faith battle, and declare what the Word of God says and the promises that He has for our lives over us to begin to bring the sword against those things that are coming at us and at our doorstep, right? And, and so in this, in this scripture in Proverbs chapter 25, verse 28, where we want to pick up, it says... Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And this is where I want to finish up from this series today is, is this idea of ruling our spirit. And what my objective is, is I suppose for all of us to really know what does it, what does it look like, what does ruling your spirit look like in your life? And how do we go about walking in that and living in that on a day-to-day basis? So the author of Proverbs here, he says that a, city with, a man who doesn't rule his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. And, you know, the enemy, whenever an enemy would come against a city, their objective would be to get where? It would be to get right into the heart of the city. They want to breach the walls. They want to get into the innermost part of the city and once they've done that and they've established their ground, they've essentially conquered that people. And so when we look at the enemy, his objective, his main aim is really not, if you think about this, it's really not to just come against our flesh. Although he does do that with temptation and all different types of sicknesses and illnesses and things. But really his objective, his aim is to get in and just discourage and break our spirit, to make our spirit as weak as it possibly can be. If he can succeed in in making our spirit man weak or keeping our spirit man from raising up and getting strong, then he's essentially accomplishing exactly what it is that he wants to accomplish in the battle that he brings to us. Now, 
what we do, if we, if we want to let the Spirit rule, if we want to rule our spirit, then our spirit has to be the place that, is, that we're essentially living from. Now, we could, live, we could live with the flesh being in control too, where, where people are more, they're being led by the things of the flesh, right? There's things like their, their pursuit or their objectives or their agenda, uh, maybe it's about something like pride or reputation, or it's about, you know, pursuing money or all different kinds of things that we could fit into there. But when, when, the, when the people are living by the flesh, the flesh is essentially what's ruling their life. It's not that their life isn't being ruled from their spirit, man. Are you with me so far? So keep this in mind that a person's, a person can have God's spirit in them, but they can actually be led more by the natural man than by the supernatural part of them, that eternal part, that spirit part that's in them. And our flesh, because we are, our spirit is in this body, our body is always, it's kind of, the flesh is yearning for the things of the flesh. It wants to sin. This is huge, right? The body, the, the tent that our spirit is in, it is bent towards sin. That's what it wants to do. Whereas, so if it has its way and it has the lead, then it's going to keep the spirit man suppressed and weak and not allow God to strengthen and lead the spirit from an internal place. So what's what's great though, is just because, even though our spirit or our, uh, our flesh has a yearning, Guess what also has a yearning? Your spirit has a yearning too. Your spirit is created to crave the things of God. It's created to crave that intimacy and that closeness and that relationship with the person of the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. But it's up to us to walk in a way where we're cultivating that. Are you with me? It's like we can have God's spirit on the inside of us because we've become born again believers, but we can live in such a way where it's more of a flesh party than it is all about the Holy Spirit strengthening our inner man and being the place from which we're living from, if that makes sense. So if the flesh is allowed to have the lead more in our lives and actually the, the place that we're kind of... Uh, I guess giving place to on a continual basis, what happens is that we our, our spirit man starts to become kind of numb and desensitized to really hearing the voice of God and really living from the things of God as we're called to and the purposes that he has for us in our lives. And so it happens easier than we than we might think, where the holy, our, our, our desensitization or the numbness to the, Spirit's, to the Holy Spirit's voice in our life, we can begin to hear it less and less and less as we give place more and more to this flesh part of us. Now, the Holy Spirit is not going to force himself upon us. He's a gentleman, and he is interested in, in kind of wooing us and, and drawing us into a relationship, but he'll never force our hand to, to go after and seek him and pursue him and want more and more of him. He seeks our affection. And so this is something that we have to, if we want to rule our spirit, then we have to be busy 
about the business of seeking, pursuing, and having intimacy with God on a continual basis in our everyday lives. And as our spirit gets stirred up, then the things of God become more at the surface in our lives, and the things of the flesh have less and less of a temptation or of a grip or of a pull at us in the direction that it's trying to take us. And so if you open your Bibles now, go to Galatians chapter 5. Paul talks a lot about this, uh, picking up in verse 16. All right, he says, I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the Spirit, and the Spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary to one another, so that you do not do the things that you wish. So, Here's the, here's the point, is there's always this battle that's going on where the, our spirit wants to go this way in the direction of God, but our flesh wants to go this way in the direction of sin. And so Paul's saying, saying look, there's all, they're always going to be there's always going to be an opposition. They're always going to be opposing each other, contrary to each other. Where God wants to lead you, where his spirit wants to direct you, your flesh is going to want to resist it. And so if we, if we allow ourselves to be led by the flesh, then ultimately what we're doing is we're allowing ourselves to, to kind of be pulled away from the direction that God's spirit is wanting to take us. Now, it's interesting because we're all the same in this boat. Paul even said it in... Romans chapter 7, you remember those verses where he says stuff like, you know, I want to do good, but I, I don't do good. Uh, when I don't want to do bad, it's like I still do bad. This is a post-conversion Paul talking, right? This is God, Paul filled with God's spirit, but he's saying, look, I'm still in this flesh. I'm still in this mortal body that's just bent towards sin. That's just pulling me in a direction away from where I really know I need to go, which is where the spirit's leading me. But there's always this wrestle, this thing that's going on. Now, hopefully for some of us, that kind of gives, that makes us feel a little bit better. Like every great Christian just never struggles with this, but I just deal with this thing all the time, right? Like I must not be a good Christian. We all struggle with this, the wrestle of the flesh against the spirit, right? But he says in verse 25, he says, if we live in the spirit, let us also walk in the spirit. I think this is very powerful, very powerful. Because what this means is we can be, when he says live in the spirit, meaning you've been made alive, your spirit's alive, you've been born again. But he says as you live in the spirit, also walk in the spirit, meaning we can be made alive in Christ, but not necessarily walking in the ways of God, not necessarily going down the path of our purpose and our destiny but be living with his spirit inside of us, right? He's saying, as you live in the spirit, you must also walk in the spirit. So then I, this is what I thought when I read these things. I'm like, okay, well, how do I walk in this? Like, I, okay, I want to do that. How do I walk in the spirit? Like, do I just got to really like muster some, something up or really get a hold of this thing or what? And I started studying that verse and I read that word walk in the Greek walk in the spirit and it's very interesting because what that means is actually to it's a word called stoichio 
and it means to walk by rule. To walk by rule. So think about this for a second. They used this term when they were in battle, and a general was leading troops, and there was an army marching into battle, and they used this word stoichio to describe how they would march together in a sequence and in a rhythm and in a cadence that was ultimately set and dictated by the general as he was leading the troops into battle. So what he's saying is, the Spirit of God in you wants to rule your spirit. He wants to lead you. Our, our ability to our walking in the Spirit, it's more of a yielding type of thing. Does that make sense? It's more of allowing God to really rule our spirit, and therefore the things of God become fresh and alive and just stirred up in us. And as, as God is having His way, His rule in our spirit then our spirit just basically sets the flesh and the mind and the emotions in line so that we're staying in a cadence and a rhythm with what we would call God's will for our lives. And that's where we want to be ultimately, right? We want to be in the center of God's will for us. So just because someone's alive in the spirit, it doesn't mean that we necessarily are walking in the spirit. We must be busy staying in relationship with God, with the Holy Spirit in us, so that he's actually ruling in there and he's setting things in order so that we're living from that place in us, not from the flesh part of us on a day-to-day basis. How many people have ever been in a funeral procession, right? And you know how the funeral car, like, what's the head car? Well, you have the police car and then you have the the hearse, right? When you're driving, what is it? Everybody just goes wherever that car goes, right? You go to the right, you go to the, he goes to the left, he switches lanes, it goes right through an intersection. I mean, if it drove off a cliff, people would probably follow it right up because you're just kind of in the mode. You're just following that thing. On a day-to-day basis, look, God has a, God has a specific plan every day to lead us and guide us. It's not like, hey, the fifth of every month or every couple of years, God just wants to show up and give us a little direction and disappear. Like every day, he wants us to be led by the Spirit. He wants us to be walking by the Spirit. So our communication, our prayers, our our just being in the Word, all these things that we do to draw close to God, allow the Holy Spirit to have a place of reign, a place of rule in our innermost man, and our spirit just essentially grabs onto that, and all the other parts of who we are begin to fall in line. Think about this for a second. When the Spirit is really ruling, and all of a sudden, there's a temptation, let's say, and the flesh wants to go down this path and have its way, whatever that might be, right? We've all got different things that tempted us and pulled us. And when, when that comes, if the spirit is really ruling in our lives, it's like the flesh starts to pull, but there begins to be an internal eruption. It's like an earthquake starts to happen inside of us where the spirit rises up and begins to declare, like have authority and say, no, this conflicts with what your destiny is. This conflicts with who you are, with what the purpose for your life actually is. And so the spirit begins to rise up and have rule over that thing and to begin to silence those temptations of the flesh and put them in their proper place. Does that make sense? We've got to, and we have to live from that place. Now, the Bible says in Colossians chapter 3, 
verse 15, it says, Let the peace of God rule in your hearts. So God, the Holy Spirit, is really the key, allowing Him to rule in our lives to us being able to have our, rule our own spirit. In a sense, it's not something that we can do on our own. It's not that we can figure out through a bunch of tireless efforts and, and approaches and everything, I'm going to rule my spirit, man. It's really all about just yielding to the reign of the Holy Spirit, Christ reigning in our hearts so that he's got full control and we're just yielded and surrendered to him and our spirit, man, is being strengthened. It's being imparted to it's being raised up stronger and stronger so that when the things of the flesh begin to pull at us that spirit man rises up and it's the stronger part of us in our lives when those things and those times come if it's not the stronger part of us then the flesh has its way and begins to take us over beyond the temptation into the part of sin and that it ultimately continues to to take us off course more and more of the plan that God actually has for our lives. We have passions and desires and affections, all of us inside that God has given to us. And those passions and those desires, those dreams, you know, those things can all lead to great, noble things, virtuous things, but they can, if they're given direction and given lead and given rule by God's Spirit, or they could also lead to things that are unprofitable and unhealthy for us if they have no direction at all and, and the Spirit of God isn't the one that's actually leading us and those things are just allowed to have their way and just sort of run wild essentially and show themselves out in our lives in whichever way that they do. And so the, the other thing is when the Spirit is in, in control and the Spirit is ruling our lives, the evidence of that and it also talks about this in Galatians 5, is that there's fruit. There are fruits of the Spirit that are basically being birthed out in our lives. Now, there's nine fruits of the Spirit. We're not going to really study those today, but I'll give them to you. There's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. So fruit, when, it, when a tree is giving making fruit you know we don't sit there and look at the branches and say fruit come out come out you know and try to like make the tree birth fruit the fruit is coming from a tree that's healthy in its roots from the innermost part of where it's where its existence is the source where it's healthy that's what's producing fruit in the tree so when our spirit man is in tune with God's spirit and we're walking in that rhythm and in that cadence that God is leading us in, then there's just this natural abundance of fruit that's being produced in our lives. Are you with me? You can't make these things happen. They flow out of a life that's living intimately with God and they're healthy and strong in their innermost part of them. And then all of a sudden there's abundance of love, of faithfulness, of gentleness, of kindness, right? Now, there's two fruits in particular. There's peace and then their self-control, that these are kind of almost like a defense mechanism against the things of the enemy. I do want to draw attention to these because self-control is the ability to not give place to all these things of the flesh that pull at us, right? And then also the peace of God. We know the Bible says that the peace of God that surpasses understanding will do what? It will guard your heart 
and mine in Christ Jesus. So when we are producing this fruit, what are we doing? We're producing a defense mechanism in our life against the enemy so that when he tries to break down the walls to get into our innermost man, there's a fortress that's established. The peace of God that surpasses understanding guards your heart and mind. It's like God is protecting and keeping the enemy at bay so that he's not getting into the innermost man, our spirit man, and bringing discouragement, despair, and breaking our spirit. And so as we walk with God, the fruit is just in full abundance in our lives. And that's what we want, right? So our spirit is ruling. We talked about just the deepness of God in the early parts of this series. We talked about who the person of the Holy Spirit is. And now what I'm trying to end on and show you is that there is an absolute intention for this in your life where God is, has you built up strong and fortified like a strong city with huge walls that keeps the enemy at bay. And although he may come against circumstances in your life, he can't get into the innermost part of you who you are and begin breaking your spirit, breaking your faith, and derailing you from your destiny, which is ultimately exactly where he wants to be. That's his agenda. It's not to just bring you unfortunate circumstances. He wants to break your spirit. He wants to ruin your faith. He wants to take you off of your purpose and destiny. And as we walk in the spirit, the fruit is produced and we are a strong city, essentially, that's fortified and built up so that the enemy can't get in and get into the innermost place of who we are. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, Here's an exciting thing to think about. When we get to heaven, there really won't even be a need to have that anymore. When we get to heaven and we're with Jesus in eternity, there's no need to be guarded anymore. The Bible says that the flesh disappears, right? And all that, and we get new bodies in heaven, but we're a spirit and we're with God and we're communing. And there's like this great gulf that's fixed between the enemy and his tactics and his evil and where we are in paradise and perfection and happiness and all that. And there's, there, there won't even be a need for it anymore. But while we're here on this earth, it's very much a part of how we must live, that we must live from a place where we, our spirit is ruling where the Holy Spirit is ruling in us and our spirit is ruling in our lives and we're being led by the things of God on a day in and day out basis. And so I'll close with this. Matthew chapter 5. Verses 14 through 16. Jesus says, you are the light of the world. You are a city, or he says, a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. See, there's, to me, this is, there's a whole other level to this. It's not about us just living in a place for ourselves where our spirit is ruling and everything is great and we're like a strong city established. 
He says that a city, a strong city, it needs to be up on a hill where people can see it, where it can be a place of refuge and a place that brings strength and healing to those who are weak or who are in need. And in order for us to really affect the world and, and impact the world the way that we're called to, right? We have to be like that strong city on a hill that's fortified because Christ is reigning in us and the fruit is evident and people can see that they're drawn to that and what they experience gives them a reason to glorify the Father in heaven. Stand to your feet with me today. You know, I said this last week, but and I don't want to get on this too much, but you know, our world is just, it's in, a, it's in a rough place right now. Our nation is in a rough place. And things seem to have happened for however many years now that have really just consecutively, uh, for year in and year out, taken us in more and more in the wrong direction as it pertains to really standing for and holding dear the things of God and that our country was founded upon. And if you ask me, I don't know, this is my opinion, but if you ask me, I think that it's kind of so far down that path right now that we're not going to be able to just see a little bit of subtle change, just a little bit of gradual transition to try to kind of now for the next number of years bring it back around into the place where it, it needs to be. I mean, we need an all-out absolute force of God to move and sweep across this land to just turn things upside down and bring them. We need reform that is instigated by revival. We, you can't legislate morality. You can't, you know, these are things that have happened now that it's going to take the hand of God moving upon our nation, sweeping through to bring things back in the direction that they need to go. I just really believe that. And, and the force and the opposition that's pulling things in the other direction is a formidable foe. He is a formidable foe. I mean, the enemy is really crafty and deceptive, right? And when it comes to like what's happening, you got a freight train moving. You can't just throw a rock at it or, or a brick at it and, and have anything happen. You got to hit it from the other side with something even stronger and more powerful. And the, the spirit of God that reigns in your life, that wants to have control, that wants to reign in you, he is more powerful. I mean, the enemy is under his foot, right? He's beat him. He's done it. It's already been established. He's going to the lake of fire. It's already written. It's over. But there's this time that's just kind of tearing, I guess, until Jesus comes back. Well, we got to get a hold of this. We got to let the Spirit of God begin to reign in our lives so that we walk in the path that He has prepared for us. And we, our lives are all like strong, fortified, established cities that are glowing to the world, that are like a light and a beacon that just shows itself in the places where people need hope, they need refuge, they need healing, and they just need to find God and know Him, that they may experience that as well. And not live like a broken down city without walls where the flesh and the emotions are just always leading and guiding them around anywhere they want to take.